Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast where we bridge the gap between scientific theory and practice around goaltending, presented by Resilient Hockey. My name is Ben Cernick. I master that introduction straight off the dome, no preparation, and I'm here with Jamie Phillips. Hey, I also forgot that I sent you like a, like a huge novel like introduction. Uh, we, we should maybe consider it. because I think No, I didn't write it down. No, I didn't even read it. I, skipped I, right I still it. have it. I still have the archives of it. Um, but it's good to be here. A uh, little bit of scrambly weekend for us. We were able to come together. But um, the topic today, I think this is a good one. This actually might be a two-parter um, because this is a really, really important thing. We briefly mentioned it uh, on the pod before, but that is communication. And this communication takes many different forms. But the one we're going to talk about right now specifically is goalie coach to goalie communication. And in the future, we might talk about goalie coach to coach to goalie because we are, as goalie coaches, um, you know, kind of that bridge of the telephone between the head coach and, and the actual goalies. But for right now, we're going to talk about, you know, dealing with your athletes, communicating with your athletes and communicating with your athletes' parents. Uh, and how can we do this? So, so Ben, this was your idea. This is your topic. When you are, you know, you know, what are you looking for when you get like a new goalie, someone you've never met first time on the ice? Like, like, how do you, how do you set that up? I'd like to first acknowledge that this was not the topic I thought we were talking about, but I'm happy to take it this direction, Jamie. I'm always enthusiastic when you don't listen to me. Um, Which is, I actually, now these, well, no, you just said communication. I was like, oh, okay. Communicating. If everyone didn't know, Jamie uh, likes to hear what he wants to hear. And (laughs) no, that's not true. I like to read your text and <laughs> interpret them into ways that benefit me only. <laughs> you know what? To this this segment is brought to you by Jamie Phillips's Patreon. We might as well, if we're doing Jamie's... Was it, it's like they say at Zoolander. For children who can't read good. Yeah, the, the school for learning, for reading good for kids who can't read good. Yeah, that's, that's where we're at with Jamie. All right. Well, if we're going to talk about this, I think the way, the thing that I think about in this context, so how do we communicate or how should we try to communicate with goalies? I think... First and foremost, something to just understand, and this is a blanket statement that I'm fine saying, is that people respond to things differently and not every person is going to respond to something the same way. Um, And I think today we're going to tie in some stories of some things that goalie coaches or even other coaches have just said to us throughout our careers to kind of 
make that as an example. But that's the first thing that I think is the most important is knowing that some goalies and some people in general respond really, really, really poorly um, to negative communication or, you know, in sports, we, the context is yelling. Like some people respond really terribly. I'm one of those people. I do not handle being yelled at very well. But Jamie, I know that you do. Yeah, I was I was the opposite. And it's funny because you say these things and, and I say, I can think of these things now looking back and I played and also, you know, I go to therapy, not afraid to admit it, talking about all these things with my therapist. And it turns out like I, because I always acknowledge that I, I respond better to negative feedback. And for me personally, that was because I was of the nature that I was never good enough. And so once if in my brain, if I was constantly telling myself that I was never good enough, someone else reinforcing that negativity, but allowing some, you know, area of, you know, how to address it. So sort of constructive criticism, but more on the criticism part rather than constructive. Uh, for me, that's what I needed. I didn't like to hear it all, about all the things I was doing well, because my brain would automatically go to all the things that I wasn't doing well. And to be honest, that's super unhealthy and unsustainable. And I know that now, but that was the way that I, that I approached it mentally. And so for me, yeah, like I, you know, that's why I think I got along so well with Derek because Derek didn't like yell, but you know, Derek would, he was hard on us. He was really hard on us, but in a, in a good way, it came from love, but you know, you don't always think of that when you're 13 years old. Uh, but yeah, for me, so like, you know, what was a, you know, what's kind of like your mindset that you got a coach who who's yelling at you because I, you know, as someone who didn't, you know, we're, we're at different ends of the spectrum here, the yin and the yang. So for me, like I wanted to hear how bad I was. I wanted to hear how I could stop being so bad. Like simple, simple as that. Like that's the simple as I can put it. Yeah. I mean, I always, I laugh, I tell a story and I'm not going to put like a, a time or age or location on it because I think at the end of the day, most coaches mean well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have a coach at one point pull me aside after a game. I, I thought I played fine. I let in kind of a weird goal that like looking back on it, I still vividly remember this goal because of this story attached to it. But it was like a, a shot on like a one-on-one that like hit the defenseman's stick on the release and the puck like went on its side and like rolled around me essentially like a spin shot. But it looked terrible in real time, I'm sure. Um, but pulled me aside after the game. We didn't win. And basically goes, look, I'll be honest with you. I don't like you as a goalie or as a person. <laughs> and honestly, one of the meanest things anyone's ever said to me, but so funny. Like, so, so funny. But I think in, in that coach's perspective, they were trying to motivate me, like challenge me. Um, but I, I definitely didn't feel challenged. I just felt really sad. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's... didn't motivate me next practice. I'll yeah. tell you that for sure. The conversation's usually not going uphill when you lead with that. Um, you know, that, that brings up a good point. I have a couple stories here. Again, I'm not going to give locations and, and times and dates because a lot of these people are still coaching and I'm not out not in the call out game. Um unless you're doing dumb things on the internet or training goalies that I will call you out. But however, um so one thing that I've I, I've started to do a little bit, um I did a I did it a couple of years ago and I need to get back more into it is I would do as you know, as up in the air some of the reliability and validity of like personality tests are. I would like, to, I did like to do it because it gave me a little bit of insight into how do I coach this athlete, especially if they're super new. Um, 
you know my coaching style I, I take a lot after Derek there is a it's a lot of like dry sarcastic coaching in and questions and lots of questions and I, I ask I ask questions I don't really like to tell boys I always say like what are you doing here what does that mean and I do throw in sarcastic dry comments and some goalies can take it some goalies can't but I like to know is this goalie that I'm dealing with is it someone who responds better to positive feedback someone who responds better to negative feedback or critical like critical feedback or is it someone that is able to kind of balance that line and I think personality tests do have you know some sort of role or using something whether that's sitting down with your goalie and talking to them sitting down with their parents sitting down with someone and trying to get a better understanding for me like I do a lot of online coaching so I don't get a ton of interview time so if a quiz and they fill it out and takes 30 minutes is going to give me a lot of insight and I think that's that's really important because you know you can't just you, you can't just yell to yell and even if that is your coaching style that you prefer to yell it's not always going to resonate with your kids. And, you know, maybe if you're coaching a practice and guys are messing up the drill, yes, you, you're probably going to yell because you're yelling to the team. But when you're working with individuals, you need to treat individuals as individuals, just like we tailor our, you know, our training, our lessons and our directions towards them. The way that we approach and communicate these things must be individualized in order to be as effective as possible. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm cool with that. That's That's the big thing. If we want to look at how I personally coach now, I very rarely yell, if at all. Um, because again, that's my, I'd rather communicate with people. I'd rather just talk things out. I think that becomes more and more important the older goalies get too, right? I think one of the, the things I look back fondly on, you know, when we were training in our late teens, early 20s, you and I together is a lot of the time, most of the learning just came from conversations. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's, that's the, that's the best. I love that. And I make sure that when I coach, like I ask all my goalies, like when I'm coaching one, I'm like, get in here listen and i think you say that and i think when i looking what i just said like i don't yeah i actually don't yell the only time i yell is when goalies don't follow their rebounds and i say follow it and like that's just you get that intensity up raising your voice is not yelling though like let's like like (laughs) so i don't i don't think i've actually ever yelled i raise my voice when i want the intensity to be higher and then usually when i'm coaching with younger kids i like to make kids laugh i feel like that that's a really good way to learn like there's a story i can have i had like a nine-year-old uh, a girl I was coaching over Christmas break and, and she was having, she was struggling catching pucks and I wanted to catch it in her pocket. So like, you know, shooting at her glove, she's not catching it. I was like, Hey, is your, is your, is her, is your glove broken? She's like, no. And I was like, is there a trampoline in your glove? And she's like laughing. He's going to laughing. So like, okay, so you don't want to bounce out. Where are you going to catch it? And like that, that's different than how I'm going to approach it with an 18 year old where it's bouncing out of his glove. And then the, even my tone, I might say the same thing. But my tone is going to be completely different. It's going to be like, is your glove broken? Like, what, what's going on? And they'd be like, ah, I'm just not feeling it. Just catch it in your pocket. You've done this a million times. Watch the puck into your glove. And so I think the tone and the way you approach it is really, really important. And you need to, if you're, I mean, I hope everyone knows these things. But then again, I have seen some, you know, like U12 coaches just absolutely losing their mind in their team. So the crazy craziness. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want this, this to go where the conversation goes, but there is like the idea of safe sport, at least in Canada, where they're pretty discouraging of like a significant amount of, of yelling at people because uh, that's not really inherently safe. Like, again, there's a difference between yelling so that people can hear you, right? Yeah. Like, I want to make, like, that's... I think that's just raising your, you think you're right, like raising your yeah. voice and then like yelling in, infers like being angry or like there's yeah. some sort of malicious undertones to it. Yeah, right? And I think 
again, there's different ways to motivate people. And and like we've kind of talked about the whole time is, or the, so far this episode is that you need to just understand how to motivate people and get the best out of them. For, for younger goalies, for younger kids in general, I don't think that means yelling at them ever. Um, like I'm actually, this is one of my weird hills that I might die on. Um, I don't think I'd ever want to yell at uh, a young goalie for any reason. Um, unless they're doing something like unsafe, like they take their skate off and they're chasing around another player on the ice. Maybe I'd probably yell then. But like outside of a safety thing, I think there's so much more value in building healthy communication habits and healthy thinking habits with young goalies. And the reason for that is, this is, you know, the hill that you and I always die on, is you get a small amount of time with young goalies in goalie training. And then they go to practice where they're on their own. Or there's a volunteer who talks to them or an assistant coach or someone who plays a rebound every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But you're you're going to send off these young goalies to do their own things at practice. And if their biggest mental thought process is, oh, if I do bad, I'm going to get yelled at. That I do bad, I get yelled at. I think that builds a really unhealthy self-learning process for when they get into practice, right? You said it earlier. We grew up with this. Lots of questions. We both coach where we're trying to engage it. People think because that's what they need to do to self-learn in practice. Is they need to be able to know to self-think and self-question themselves on what's going on. Now, that's the theory behind it. There's no guarantee that an 11-year-old goes to their practice and is doing anything other than just like roaming around and getting hit by stuff. That's a reality of it. But at least the intention behind it should be to to help goalies get to a spot where they're going to be improving and being able to kind of self-monitor. And I think that, and I think that's really important as we let's get out of that into kind of like, you know, the 15, 16 high school age goalies, because there's so many goalies who get to that age who are so self-destructive in practice, like so, so negative, so, so in, in on themselves and so self-destructive in practice. And a part of me wonders how much is that is because that's the negative reinforcement that they've been given for a long time whether it's from their parents, whether it's from their coaches, or where that behavior is learned, because it's learned behavior. Yeah, and, all, right. and actually, it's funny that when we when we talked pre-show last week, I, I showed you that book that uh, Fearless by Pippa Grange, the sports psychologist, and she she kind of dives deep into the more like the mental health side of it in terms of how the way that we're brought up as as athletes, how that influences our, our life, but that carries over into practice. You know, I, I look at myself, for example, and it's actually kind of a miracle that I was able to play at a high level looking at how negative I was. But for whatever reason, that worked for me. But for most 99% of people, that's so incredibly unhealthy. And towards the end, it became unsustainable and healthy. And that's why I had to retire. But like you, you said it ex- exactly right. Like there are some some goalies that they're, they, they're expecting, they're always expecting that they did something wrong. And I think I was one of those guys too, but it's, it's, it comes more and more where like, I'll, I'll do something and they'll look at me and they'll be like, what do, you, what do you want? And they'll be like, well, what did I do? It wasn't perfect, but you, you stopped the puck and I'm, I'm not going to be upset with that. Yeah. There's a million things I critique, but like, I'm not going to do that. Well, tell me, tell me something that I did wrong. No, just, it's okay that you did some things right or some things weren't perfect and you were growing. It's just a skate. And it's as a goalie, like understanding that we need that sometimes like criticism as coaches, we're not trying to criticize, we're trying to correct. And 
we're trying to correct errors and we do like I mean, you I can speak for you and I or mainly just for myself is like we we are we're not trying I don't think we're ever trying to you know break someone down or really upset them or embarrass them no. we're, we're pointing out things that they're doing wrong so that you can start to correct them and that's that's a really in, important thing but if you're always looking for criticism it can be really like hard and stressful on yourself and then that can carry over and kind of snowball to to more detrimental things down the road and that might be just because we're so ingrained and i think i think it is changing a little bit in terms of the coaching culture we're not just straight up like just like ripping kids apart but is it offense yeah there's a a really good conversation so um i've mentioned this before i'm super fortunate that like the lab i work in is is called the expertise and skilled acquisition lab so like it's it's all about and it's in sport mostly so you know how do we understand and how are great athletes created and one of the big things that we collectively always talk about is this idea that if you're like not playing at professional or senior international levels you are by definition not an elite athlete <laughs> and so you shouldn't be treated like one it's like it's it's that simple there's this right like elite competition at the nhl it is their job to, at the ahl it's your job to win you are paid money to do that and because of that there are things that are maybe a little more unhealthy honestly and i think that's just the reality of professional sports but we professionalize kids yeah. and as coaches and as goalie coaches i mean like this is the funny part if anyone's ever been a goalie coach or if anyone's not many people are goalie coaches on teams that's fine to say that probably not many people who are listening to this but yeah i think people would be surprised to to hear just for a lot of coaches how a goalie coach is just like sort of on a staff like you're sort of a part of the coaching staff but you're like not really not, a part of really are you you're not really a part of the coaching yeah. yeah you're there you know yeah. every 10 minutes someone might look at you and remember that you're there in the conversation too um but that ties into why our role, why you need to be so much more supportive. And that is, again, at different levels for me at the junior level, Jamie, you in college, like you're, you're there to su- support people. And I think that model where the goalie coach supports their athletes and is that like that communication line at older ages, that should be the base for basically all minor hockey because they're not professional athletes. They're not elite athletes. They're kids right now some of them will go on to be that right but if the first time they get absolutely torched and ripped is at 17 instead of 11 that might be healthier and it also allows for us to raise the question of like what does that need to look like at 17 what does that what does that need to look like as we move forward right like we've started to see a shift in player dynamics in different sports right like in, in the NBA, for example, they're calling it a player's league now, right? They control their own fate. They control what they want to deal with, mm-hmm. right? And we're seeing it a little bit more in the NHL probably too, honestly, where players are like, I don't want to deal with this coach. We're tired of this. We don't want to be screamed at anymore, right? Like yeah. Daryl Sutter just got fired again, right? He's got a pretty, the John Tortorella's coached how many teams now? And they last, I think there's a few years. Is he, didn't he just get rehired again? Yeah, I thought I saw that too. That's why I brought it up. Um, But, but like, we see those people on media and then it gets emulated or brought back down to minor hockey. And it's like, Holy cow. 
right? Yeah, and it's usually the goalie coaches typically aren't aren't the ones going crazy, but there no. are there are some that maybe are a little more uh, loud or angry than others, and and that's just different coaching styles. But you you tend to you tend to drift towards and resonate with a certain type of style that your coach just naturally has. And I think that's important too. So like if you're, well, you know, we always talk about finding different goalie coaches, game with different goalie coaches. Communication is really important thing too when to look at um, alongside just like overall like technical stuff and, and and like all the sort of intricacies of goalie coaching. If you don't feel like you're comfortable around your goalie coach, if you find that what they're saying just is going in one ear and out the other, maybe that goalie coach just isn't for you. Yeah. And the same thing about like someone comes skate with me and what I say isn't like resonating, they're not getting it, they, they don't like it, then I, I don't want that goalie to have to skate with me because they're not gonna get that much better with my coaching style. And that's really important. And someone said that someone actually said that to me once. They're like I think it was the came with like strength training. They're like, Well, why do you you're like they're like, Jamie, if you if you keep saying that you don't want your athletes doing these, you're never gonna work I'm like I wanna work with athletes that wanna work with me. And if athletes that don't like the way that I train or coach, I don't want to work with them. I don't want them to work with me because they're not going to get better. Like yeah. they're not going to get better working with me because they're not going to listen to to what I say. So I want goalies that you know resonate with me, like like my coaching style. I can adapt to them, but the bare bones of how I coach and my philosophies are are going to get through to them, and that ultimately is going to make the biggest difference um, over time. And if you are watching on video, Ben just threw a flash bomb into his. <laughs> into his house and it's very right sorry about that um just completely derailed jamie there which is going to be a great time for our trend. yeah well yeah you don't need to see anyway it's fine your playing days are over i'm a pt um, i just palpate just <laughs> i wanted to uh i touched on this before but i did want to talk about a little bit i wanted to hear a little bit of stories from from your time playing to kind of, i mean I, I mentioned one of mine earlier um the stories through your time in pro, stories in your time in minor hockey, and like just thinking about when we played for some of the same coaches, actually, um, <laughs> which is funny to think about. But going back, like how early you know, and how similar you were treated in 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 that respect from a communication standpoint as an athlete. Like I'm pretty curious. Like I said, I had some great coaches. Uh, very lucky to have them. They were excellent with me. And then I had some coaches who were really mean. And I'll share a story after about how to not, how to how to not build up your freshman goalie. But I want to hear some, I want to hear Jamie Phillips' story first. Do you have either a good one or a bad one? I'll also take good stories. Uh, man, the problem is, is like I can't even think of any good stories because the bad ones are just so burned in my mind. Most of them come from like head coaches. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more 
and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yep. Um, when you had said your story earlier about the I don't like you as a goalie person, it reminded me of one, I'm not going to give the time and place because it'd be too easy to figure out. Uh, I do not like this coach to this day. Um, I wonder why. I wonder why. But one of the things, so I wasn't playing very, I wasn't, I was, I was not, I just wasn't playing and I was getting frustrated. And, you know, after practice, I was stretching and he came over to me and he's, and he was like, how'd you, how'd you feel today? And I was like, oh, I thought I felt okay. And he goes, well, I thought you looked like effing poop. And I'm going to say it like that. I remember this story. I remember you texting me about this. And I was like, what? And he's like, no wonder you're not playing because you look like effing poop every day. And it's it's a miracle you're even here. And I never, I, I'm not an angry person. I think I've seen red maybe four or five times in my life. This was one of those times. And well, first of all, I was holding back tears of sadness and anger. And it took a lot of genuine effort for me not to two-hand him across the face. And I can say that out loud because I was so mad. And yeah, like it, like from there, from that day forward, super, super like upset. And like I said, I don't like him to this day. And I have goalies that will come across and will they come, they cross paths and they, let me just say they cross paths and there is the option to play for that coach. And I tell them not to. And that is one of the things too, because he, he set that tone and I do what I can to prevent good good athletes from playing for him. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason people get referred to as goalie killers. Like, that's a that's a legitimate expression around some coaches, right? That's that's pretty horrific, Jamie. I don't want to... Let's not play the one-up game, but this is this is my second But, but I'm going to one-up you here. But I'm going to one-up you. No, this is... I don't think this is... Um, I don't, well, it's different, but uh, I was... I was playing, and uh, again, I got my first ever type of this game ever. So my first ever start, like new team, new league, um, getting a chance to play. And, uh, you know, we win this game. Like we were, It's a game where we're kind of up the whole time. Like we were up like two or three nothing to start the game. And then I let in the first goal against my first ever goal in this league. And it's just like a bad goal. Like it's just like a shot from like, a, again, like shot from like outside the top of the circle that just straight up beats me clean short side bar down. Like, ting, short side, and like, oh, oopsies, okay, um, not great. You know, as a goalie, especially when you're older, you know every goal that you should have had. That's just, you just, you're aware of that. Like, you're so acutely aware of when a bad goal goes in oh, that yeah. it's so surprised me when coaches, again, get in goalies' faces about bad goals. Like, they know. Like, we will, we will. Oh, that, that, that dump in from the blue line? Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely am not upset about that when I gave up. <laughs> yeah, like... Like, it's just one of those things where it's like goalies are so self-critical, especially as you get into higher and higher levels. Um, people filter out, right? So you get to a certain level and every goalie is, again, we talked about this before, you can recall the games of goals you let in, like hundreds of games, every goal that you let in from those things. Yeah, oh, right? absolutely. So I let this goal and we win the game like 6-3 or 7-3 or something. Like it's not really close. Like they, the I let in like my last goal, like two minutes left, like a, a garbage meaningless goal, right? So I get out of it. I'm like, cool, first win. Uh, really fun, you know, you get your little puck, all that jazz. We get into video the next week um, going over that game and the coach 
plays and rewinds that goal in front of the whole team 10 times. 10 times, just staring at me, not saying anything, just rewinding, play, rewinding, playing. After like three minutes, finally looks at me and goes, is that a good goal? No. (laughs) Of course it's not. Go put the seven goals we scored on. We scored a couple stinkers too. Like that's just hockey. Like you're going to let in bad goals. And again, I will change how I play that play next time. Whether you embarrass me in front of the team or not, like that whole team knows I let in a bad goal. I know I let in a bad. What does that serve? How does that build you up for next time? What do I learn? What do What do you learn from that? So if that I always think about that when I think about my coaching. And anytime a goal goes in, is like every bad goal, like the goal, the goalie knows it's not a secret. I've had I'm, the re- I've had the rewind one before. So I'm not going to use that. But this is, we should just have a story time podcast. I think we should just have like that's what I told you today was, and then you changed the. No, subject. I thought today was going to. We should, no, but not just like just general <laughs> funny hockey stories. But I had one. Um, no, I forgot what it, which one it was. What did you say? Which which one? I I actually am genuinely drawing a blank because I'm thinking about that rewind play, rewind play. Oh, my first my first ever game at junior junior B, uh, first ever start. I was pulled in a three three tie, and. <laughs> Um. Then we ended up winning in overtime, and so I'm a 16 year old acne prone little kid, and just first game of junior, I thought things were going well, tied, ready to go to overtime, get pulled. Coach comes up, he's just like, just didn't think you could do it. <laughs> so that kind of set the head, that was kind of set the tone for me that the rest of the year they got one. I don't even know if I got another start, and then I was traded again. But like, got traded right away, yeah. Yeah, so that's not that was not a good feeling, but the goalie I was traded for, the goalie is actually the goalies that played over me. They never played any higher than that. So whatever. So who's who's so playing with it now? No, no. But like it's just like I, yeah, I got pulled my first ever junior B hockey game in a three three tie as a sixteen year old. Yeah, we've t- I mean we've talked about pulling goalies and kind of our thoughts, and that was definitely more about minor hockey. There's I mean, you gotta pull a goalie sometimes and when a goalie's not playing well or team needs a shift, that all makes sense for junior hockey. But it's stuff like that, especially in I'm assuming that was like an October game. I'm pretty sure every team in the lat loop makes oh, like Stony Creek. He was in Stony Creek when the Warriors were there, whatever. I remember uh-huh. it distinctly. I think it was the only game I ever played in that entire arena in my life. <laughs> I know I know that ring. Um, vividly only because this is a really funny story. One of my good friends growing up, this is story time now. We've completely shifted off communication. Everybody enjoy the last 50 minutes of story time here. Um, I played, this story is funny because this is a, a good friend of mine and then I played with this guy's D partner. So they played in Stony Creek, Ontario, small time outside Hamilton, used to have a junior B team. Uh, and for people who are listening, like junior B, junior B is like pretty decent in Southern Ontario. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty paid good. a lot of money. Oh, sorry. Sorry. They're no, billets who house you get paid lots of money. Um, <laughs> what, if the bill is your, what if the bill is your mom? Um, moving on. <laughs> but so my buddy's a 16-year-old again, 16-year-old defenseman. So similar to Jamie's 16-year-old junior B story. And a D partner comes down from the OHL. Um, that happens in that league a lot. It used to happen a lot more. But guys get just dropped down for a little bit. And for the first game or the first week that these two played together, this D partner only passed it to my buddy's feet in the corner on purpose he explicitly went up to him and he said i don't want to be here i'm only passing the puck to your feet so you can get hit and then proceeded to pass the puck into this guy's feet for a week straight and just nothing said like hey like i want to be here and then like making bad passes 
It's a good teammate. You know? Sorry, that's what I hear think of Sonic every time. But no, like this is this is what's so interesting to me, right? So we wonder why, and again, through some of the work that I've done, there is a lot of really good goalies who just stop playing hockey mysteriously really early in their careers. Um, like in the CHL, for example, because that's what I can always pull from, like between, you know, 2006 and 2018, there is almost double digits newspaper articles about goalies stepping away due to mental health stuff. Yeah. Right? And we joke in these studies or stories are funny to laugh at now because they're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like, like they stick with us and they're funny now because we were kind of able to get over them. But like in the moment, like they were horrific and they, they leave, they leave. And yeah. there's a reason we still remember these and there's a reason that they don't feel good. And so we're not saying uh, someone's probably listening and being like, Oh, kids these days are so soft. And we're not saying like, Oh, we have to, everyone gets a trophy or these yeah. things, but you don't have to like embarrass a kid or like rip them apart in order to push them or motivate them. And you know what? If for some reason that that kid is, that's how they get motivated. You need to know that, but that's not the way you treat everybody. You yeah. treat them as individuals as best you can. If one, someone needs more positive reinforcement, find a way to balance positive with negative. If someone needs more negative, try to make sure you're throwing in some positives there. So they're not continually beating themselves up. And so that's really ultimately what we're trying to say is like, you know, coach, coach the individual, even if that means adjusting your coaching style and being open and, and understanding like, Hey, I can't, you say, maybe you make, you know what, maybe make a kid cry and you're like, okay, like I can't do that again. And so they apologize, try to explain what you were trying to get through in the future, then don't do it. It's okay to make mistakes. Like we all make mistakes, but make sure that you learn from them. Don't make a kid cry and then be like, Oh, you're so soft and you shouldn't, I don't want to skate with you anymore. Yeah. And for the young and like for the younger goalies and the parents of younger goalies listen to this one. I think if there's one big takeaway is is knowing that it's also, you know, your job as a as a young goalie or a goalie and your job as a parent to establish what you think is healthy communication. Right? So like if if I am, I guess, asking parents to reconsider what they view as healthy communication. Right? Because I've had a few parents in my time like ask me to to like yell at their kids more. But anytime I have even like considered raising my voice you can almost see it in the, the kid's eyes that they're ready to be yelled at like they right and i the really want people to, to it. yeah i really want people to just reconsider and reevaluate that right again people are motivated for a lot of different reasons right and as people get older and as you can keep playing at higher and higher levels People are more intrinsically motivated. They're more motivated for the purpose of they want to be, they want to accomplish yeah. things, right? But that tells you that for the younger ones, like they're they're still figuring out what they even like playing hockey, if they like all the parts of it, right? And so we just need to be kind of aware of that, right? Like be aware of what's healthy communication and what's not. Uh, it's it's not being soft, right? Like we know this is just kind of like hockey and other sports can be a little abusive, and so. I'm fine calling that out. Yeah. Right. Like I'm fine drawing the line between, you know, healthy communication. Like, Hey, Ben, this wasn't a great goal. It's fine. Like, you know, what adjustments are you going to make next time on this? Like, that's all that needs to be said. Right. Like we're talking about the, the rewind goal situation. Jamie, you let in a bad goal. Teams going over in a video coach finishes, like kind of what happened on the play. Like we asked the defenseman what they would do differently. Just ask the goalie. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Well, that's what happens when you have, like most of the time, like head coaches aren't goalies. 
Well, that's and that, and that brings up the importance of why we say we every team should have a goalie coach because then the goalie coach you just put you your own video sessions together. Yeah. But anyways, Jamie, we got to wrap this one up. But I want to toss you toss a bone over to you. Do you have one? Do you have a positive story? Can we wrap it up on a positive communication story? I got one in the back pocket. If you got nothing, which is deeply concerning, oh, you gosh. can figure that out. Um, uh, you you say your story, and I think of it while you're talking. Then I will give you mine. Yeah, I'm a. We're gonna reverse this one. I'm actually gonna completely shout out this coach. I played in. I played in New England in high school prep hockey, and that includes playing fall hockey for a, a team. And I played um, for a coach out of the Greater Boston organization. And my first year there. I got absolutely tomahawked in the head, helmet knocked off <laughs> in a game. Um, 100% concussed. But the nature of the way these leagues kind of worked is the other goalie could not get out of his like school obligations. And so we had one goalie. Uh, and so I played a full game concussed. I let in a goal facing the wrong direction. Um, <laughs> but like I told the refs I was fine. Like I was an idiot kid. Like I didn't, you know. Um, but I was then very concussed and didn't go to school for a week. So flash forward a, little, a few months after that. Um, and like this coach the whole time, like I was, I was, we were playing like the state championship and I am playing just like everything is going in. It's not bad, but you know, those games where it's just like shot hits two people, hits the post and goes in. You're like, oh, okay. Right. And essentially just grabs me aside and goes, Hey, like, this is a bit of a this is a bit of a, a shit show. Can we bleep that? <laughs> I don't, now, now you're, you're making my job way harder. <laughs> I, I said anything. poop when I said my story. I'm going to bleep that from you. No, it's fine. I said sheep show. It's fine. Uh, um, okay. And he goes, and you know what? It's let's just go. Let's let's figure this out. And he's like, this is the way it's, you know it's going to be. And that was the way he had coached the entire time, right? He was the fir- he was always the person who was like, hey what's what was going on with that game like what do you think we could do better like that was it it wasn't like what are you doing wrong that was always the line of communication he was always like i don't think that was great like what needs to change it was never like you're like that's how simple it is that is such a positive way to reframe that right yeah and that's super important and i know we gotta wrap this up um so no i don't have any good stories uh but positive stories i i know you know derek has said positive things to me and I think oh, I just like goodness. was genuinely drowned them out. But when it comes to like head coaches and stuff, I cannot think of any good stories. And that is kind of sad. Uh, it, is. it is. That's that's right. And so I guess if there's like, you know, if there are people listening, if there are people who have the ears of coaches um, or are coaches themselves, whatever that looks like, there are ways to be constructive, right? There are ways to reframe when stuff is going poorly and ways to educate. Like as a coach, you are a teacher, you are an instructor, you are a leader. So it's, it's your job to to guide people to improvement, not just like berate them when they do poorly, right? Like that your math teacher shouldn't scream at you when you fail a math test. They should offer you resources to help you get better at math. Yes. While screaming at math. <laughs> well, and then you should also be brought to the front of the class and, and you should have to... Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, so but, after we... But go ahead. We're going off the rails. We got to wrap it up. Um, yeah. Be more like Ben's coach and less like my coaches but um thanks for listening everyone i know we kind of got derailed a little bit it's late at night and we're we're both tired but um thanks for watching listening watching don't forget to like subscribe share uh the podcast hasn't been blowing up a little bit we appreciate it uh for everyone who's asking yes we'll do the visual edge stuff soon 
we also are very busy and both work about eight to 10 jobs. So we are trying our best. Um, we're doing what we can, but, uh, comment, like subscribe, share with friends. Um, anything you want us to talk about, uh, we'd love to talk about it and, um, or guests they'd like to have us on. We'll definitely talk about it anymore, but Ben till next week until next time. 